episode is sponsored by the Perfect 3 Collagen. Collagen is the most abundant form of protein in our bodies, and like many things, it starts to decline as we age. If you're noticing low energy, cravings, joint pain, or dull skin and hair, you'll want to check out their collagen creamer. Add it to coffee, tea, or milk to enjoy high-quality collagen and brain-boosting superfoods on a daily basis. Check them out at theperfect3.com or visit the link in our show notes and get 10% off your first order. Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics Podcast, the voice for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. And happy New Year's, guys. It's 2023. Hard to believe that 2022 went so quickly, don't you think, Bridget? It sure did. It <laughs> guys, we thought we would start 2023 off with a bang. And boy, have we got an amazing guest for you guys today. It is Tony-nominated Joan Van Ark. And you will remember Joan from 14 years of playing Valley Ewing, starting on Dallas, then moving on to Knott's Landing. And Bridget, of course, is one of the die-hard oh, fans. Love, love Knott's Landing. I'm telling you, if it came back on, I would be glued. I would be no plans on that night, just like I was when Knott's Landing was on Thursday nights. To everybody be quiet. If you're going to talk, do not come in this room. <laughs> Go somewhere else. I don't care if I have to tape it or whatever, or if it's live, you are to be quiet. I'm not rewinding and rewatching. I'm, I am watching, you know? Exactly. So, so the twins yeah. would be what, about 30 now? <laughs> 35, they have children, you know? <laughs> we could so, just watch Well, it. I mean, you know, I keep forgetting they were Lucy's parents. I always forget that they were Lucy's parents. Yeah. And, you know, I moved straight to Knott's Landing. So it, it was, she was a delight, guys. She is a delight. You will enjoy hearing this conversation. Very funny. Um, great stories. She yes, told stories, stories about Alec Baldwin and told stories of Julie Harris. And how that all came around. So you'll hear that, hear that story how everything came full circle with Julie Harris. She talks about what she's doing now. She's doing a lot of voiceover work. They're working on a Knott's Landing little mini tour with Michelle mm-hmm. Lee, Donna Mills, and of course, Joan Van Ark. So if that happens, we'll make sure to update you with that. Oh, it's, yeah. just, it's such a pleasure and joy to talk to these women who are a part of our foundation growing up, part of our love of television before it became reality TV. Just a joy to talk to. So with that, we will start 2023 off right with Joan Van Ark. We'll talk to you after. Welcome back to Hot Flashes and Gold Topics, everybody. Colleen and I are so excited today because we have one of my favorite actresses on, and I just lived for Thursday nights. We have Joan Van Ark on, and you know her from Knott's Landing as Valley Ewing. I certainly did, starting on Dallas and then on Knott's Landing, which was my favorite, was Knott's Landing. So welcome to the show today. Well, it's my pleasure, my honor to be here uh, yeah. with a threesome conversation here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. There's some talk about a Ladies of Knots Landing with Michelle Lee and Donna Mills. Is that something in the works? 
Well, it has been, yes, because we've done a show down in Palm Springs, which is just a drive, you know, two-hour drive from where we all three are. And we did a kind of Q&A evening. Uh, first, we had clips of various favorite scenes of ours and favorite efforts. And they would show, you know, a lot of the clips and have a sort of chit-chat about what we've all been doing. And then there was a Q&A afterward. And the evening went so well that this place in Palm Springs, a nightclub, um, did it twice, and actually a total of three times, and, and brought us down there. And, uh, you know, we had a great, we had a great evening. And um, one of our producers for that event, a co-worker kind of, uh, Harlan Bowl, a publicist, um, he thought what fun it would be um, to take this to various cities that would be interested and do a two or three night show in that particular city. And they're working on a schedule, and but they won't start till 2023 because of all this lovely two and a half years we've had, you know, trying to survive the COVID epidemic, you know, all of that. So we're holding off until um, like January, February-ish in 2023, but we three would be a part of that kind of an evening, kind of, uh, I'd love to call it, we're not K-N-O-T done yet. Oh, I love that. Because we're not. Yeah, yes. I know. I love that. Donna's not crazy about it, so I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if, if Diva Donna will go for what Diva Joan, you know, you've got three divas here, and so uh, we're going to have to come to some conclusion. But I think that kind of says it all in one quick, quick phrase, because we were besties during Knots, and we are even more besties right now. And I think that's kind of wonderful and rich that three women who worked together for many years, 14 years total, uh, Donna wasn't in that whole time and I was out one year, but uh, it, it became a sorority of sorts and it's only gotten richer in the time in between. I love hearing that kind of story. I know we've talked to some other um, actresses, Sherry Glass, and how she and Ty Daly are even more close now than they were on the show. Well, you give me chills. That's, that's, yes. that's you know, that's, that's absolutely accurate. It's because when you have an investment of your time and efforts and your your passion which is acting and doing a character and you you experience life at the same time that you're really deep in connecting with each other on the set and that becomes a thread between you that is so rich and so deep and is pretty much everlasting and i would i'm not a bit surprised because i know at least time but both of them somewhat and you know, they were amazing on screen and off and continue to be. I wanted to go back, if we could, to the ver to the beginning when there was talk of doing Dallas and then Knott's Landing. And I saw something that said Knott's Landing was actually supposed to be first. David Jacobs, again, the, the guru, the, the one who created both shows, uh, did go into CBS and pitched Knott's Landing first. And CBS said, we love it, it's great, but we want something more glamorous. We want something more upscale, uh, visually, uh, you know, furs, 
uh, of diamonds dripping off their, you know, their neck, the necklace and the, you know, over the top a bit and glamorous. So David went home and back and whatever and uh, molded over and presented uh, the idea for Dallas, which uh, when they cast, you know, Larry Hagman, come on, that's a home run right there. And the wonderful uh, Linda Gray and, you know, uh, Patrick Duffy, all these wonderful actors, he put, you know, that was put together. And of course, that took off like crazy. And that's when I got involved with Dallas because they asked me, I was recording um, Estee Lauder voiceovers in New York because I do a lot of voiceover. And um, I got a, you know, a message from my agent, would I be interested in going to Dallas to uh, film a, qu a guest shot? And there I am in New York with two days solid of recording. And I thought, I can't do both. But my husband said, you're crazy. You're crazy. You've got to try to somehow do this. They made it work. I, I do the one episode and they ended up asking me for more and more and more episodes. So I was a part of Dallas first. And then David on a rainy uh, January afternoon invited me to the trailer that was on the lot at uh, the, Bur the Burbank Studios and said, we want to spin off the characters Gary and Valine, have them move to a cul-de-sac in Los Angeles and start a show, you know, based on their moving into a cul-de-sac and the four families the contrasts of the four different houses in that cul-de-sac, uh, th those are the storylines. Those would become the the conflict, the love, the friendship, the hate, whatever. And that's what they did. And that's what we did. And oh, I, I love that show. And actually, you know, I know people have favorites. I liked Knott's Landing best. And I guess I felt like it was maybe more relatable to the average person. I don't You're know. absolutely right on that. Uh, because I always make the statement, uh, uh, Dallas is about them, which is the what one percent that's way over the top, and Knotts Landing is about us, the flyover states. It's yeah. more the flyover states, and it is high, uh, was much more relatable. But it was so delicious to watch all the things that went on with Larry, with Linda, with Patrick, et cetera, et cetera. So it, they were very different. But relatability, I think the uh, the more points go to Knott's Landing. Yes. And then you add Dynasty in the mix, which really took it up a notch as far as the diamonds dripping. Yes. And yes. all the of that. The little fights, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. And ending up in the swimming pool, the two of them. Yes. Yes. Joan Collins and uh, Linda Evans, yeah, am I yes, saying it? Yeah, yes. Linda Evans, <laughs> doing a scene and, you know, ending up in the swimming pool. You can't top that. That is, you know, talk about over the top, but wonderfully over the top. Dallas and uh, those two, Dynasty, were, were more similar and fun and, and glamorous and juicy. And Knott's had pathos, humor, and reality, maybe. The loyalty of the Knott's Landing fans is something to behold. And I, I, I value, appreciate, and uh, am grateful for that because people were hardcore when they were, you know, for Knott's Landing. But the same was true of Dallas because when I would go back to New York and stay at the Plaza Hotel and record for two days for Estee Lauder, we couldn't record until I gave them the dirt, the latest, the scoop, <laughs> the scoop on Dallas. They were more interested in Dallas 
because that's New York and that's yeah, more sophisticated yeah. and it's not a flyover state by any means. It's its own world and its own country and I love it. That's where mm-hmm. I was born, but still. You spent 14 years as Valley Newing. What was it like creating a character that became almost like a part of you after that long of a period of time? It, it did and it, and it didn't, but I must say you're accurate with... I would almost go through the gate. I would start my makeup at home, and I called it gate man makeup, uh, so that when you go in, you know, to park your car on the lot, um, you know, I was sort of halfway there. But but um, it, it, it was a, a, a gift and um, something because she was so, what's the word I want? Not dynamic, but just... Uh, almost bipolar, but she when she went into and towards something, she was goody two shoes. I didn't wear any of the glamorous clothes. I would steal Nicolette's clothing, <laughs> Nicolette Sheridan, for interviews because she and I were the same size, and her stuff was un you know what believable and I would borrow those for interviews I did because I wanted to show that Joan wasn't that, but when I went into work at 5.30 or 6 in the morning, I was already going toward Valine because I wanted to keep her, I wanted to keep her vulnerable with thin skin, so to speak, and feet on the ground in terms of wardrobe. I wanted her to be her own person. You know, you were talking about just her different things that she went through and, and it made it relatable. And I can remember the part, um, I think it was toward the end of the show, where she kind of went off the rails again. And I remember the haircut. Did did they didn't really cut your hair, did they? Or did you have like a big ponytail in the back and they hid it during that no, time? No, I'm trying to think. She Julie had her hair cut. Oh, okay. Julie and I did a scene where um, we had a kitchen scene, Julie Harris, whom, uh-huh. I mean, I just wrote a text to Alec Baldwin oh, this morning yeah. because... Alec, Joan, and Julie was like a love triangle on and off the set, like you can't believe. <laughs> and um, Julie and I had a, you know, one more kitchen scene. Most of the stuff with Valine was in a kitchen. If not hers, then it was Karen's. But um, I called Julie and I said, Julie, th- this scene, you know, we've done this kind of a scene so many times. What can we do to make this special? And she said, well... We could cut my hair. I just had I just had my hair cut. And so I thought, well, what a great idea. We would shampoo and, and do the whole scene with Julie getting this haircut. But I don't know that Valine, I had some terrible haircuts done during the thing. And I thought I looked, I've seen photos of the various looks of Valine. And when that got that short kind of, it's more like a mullet in a way that I had. And I don't know if she was mullet friendly, but it just, I got to tell you those, when I had some of those trims and they, they turned out that way, I literally didn't sleep overnight. Cause I thought this is a sight gag. This is, this is not what I had in mind, but you had to, you had to power through it. Cause I never wore a wig and I'm not going to say who did and who didn't, but I never wore a wig and I don't in life even, I want to be me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. When I'm Joan, especially, 
but even, uh, you know, for a character that would be a real character, I will wear any, I will shave my head if that's what it takes to deliver the character. But most times I want the, um, what's the word, the versatility of longer hair so I can wear the ponytail when I'm Joan Marshall, my married name, mm -hmm. or, you know, be Joan Van Ark when I have to be on camera. And you, you mentioned Julie Harris, and I find that so interesting that you interviewed her when you were younger, like in high oh. school. Oh, yes, in Denver. I grew up in Boulder, Colorado as a senior in high school, or maybe I was a junior, junior or senior. Uh, my father was a publicist and uh, wrote for Time and Life magazine and was a photographer. Um, is somehow he, he knew Julie Harris was coming through Denver in the, the uh, Warm Peninsula and somehow arranged for the Rocky Mountain News, which is a Denver paper at that time and maybe still is, um, uh, an interview for me, the young, what, neophyte actress uh, wannabe uh, to the, you know, ultimate leading lady of that time. And I went into, he drove me into Denver. Uh, people said Joan is the only one who has a stage father, but drove me into Denver. I interviewed with her and she said, so what are your, what are your future plans? Where are you going uh, to school or to college? And I said, you know, I love acting so much. I don't want to do four years of undergraduate. I just want to study acting. And she said, well, I went to Yale School of Drama straight out of high school. Let me write to the dean or call the dean. I don't know which she did. And let me see if I can get you an interview. Long story short, she got me the interview with Dean Campbell at that time. My father and mother both drove me back to New Haven, Connecticut, where I met with the dean. And sure enough, uh, they accepted me on scholarship, which was a gift from heaven and then some. And I was the second person after Julie Harris to go straight out of high school to the Yale Graduate School of Drama. That's and amazing. Incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> it was. It was. But let me tell you the hardest part. Walking at that time, it was only, it was a... Uh, you know, men or young, you know, guys, not uh, co-ed. So it was just guys at the Yale School of Drama. And I would have to go from my dorm, look, counting the cracks in the sidewalk so that I wouldn't be distracted by the incredible uh, testosterone coming, <laughs> coming at me. Go yeah, going to classes, all these gorgeous, amazing, brainy, fabulous male students, you know, walking to their classes while I'm trying to march over to the School of Drama, which was uh, co-ed at that time. But it was just, I can't tell you, that was that was concentration beyond belief. <laughs> that would have been very difficult for me as a 16-year-old. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And try to stay focused, breathe deeply, you know, the whole thing. It was just, it was a test every morning, but it got me, it got me wide awake and ready for class that's for sure now your husband was your high school sweetheart correct exactly yes so you already were madly in love by that point well I was but I also dated you know I, I we both I'm sure had others but but in high school we were in the same speech class he was one year ahead of me he says when he saw me walk down the uh hallway 
in that blue dress. I never have worn blue in my life. There are a couple <laughs> colors I stay away from. And he said, when I saw you in that blue dress walking toward me and then past me, he said, I knew I had to, you know, connect with you somehow. But yes, at 14 is when we sort of started dating. And then we both, I went back to Yale and, you know, there were others there. And, and you know, it, it, it didn't, uh, in fact, one of the boyfriends was Doug Hershey of Hershey's, um, chocolates oh my goodness uh, yeah i think it's in pennsylvania i don't know where yeah, i've been to hershey yeah yes, okay hershey okay so that was his family and he was what second generation or whatever the heck and he asked he he did i dated him while i was at yale and because he was at yale of course um but you know uh, we both had different girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, but we went back and forth. And then I w was asked to go to London to do Barefoot in the Park, which Mike Nichols had directed me in, uh, because Marlo Thomas, who was currently uh, opened with playing Corey Bradder, the female lead, um, she broke her ankle or some crazy accident happened like during rehearsal or maybe during performance. But bottom line is I went back for about a month to uh, not back. I went over the pond to London and played Corey Bradder, the female lead, uh, for about a month in London. And my husband was stationed at Spangdalem Air Force Base in Germany. And he said, before you go home, back to New York and then Colorado, uh, you got to just come visit. I never got out of there as Joan Van Ark. I got out Ooh. of there as Joan. No, I got out of there. His name, his real name is John Marsilio. He's Italian. Ah, he changed, so he changed it. Yeah. Yes, he changed it to John Marshall because he became a, a an anchor and a reporter out here for NBC News and several of the local stations. So he has a history here, and he's the one with the golden mics and the Emmys and all the trophies that are on top of our TV. He, he was a class act and a, oh, he's wow. since re, yeah, he's since retired, but it's, it's, uh, he's the one that is grounded while I've got, he says, bubbles coming over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been nominated, you know, for several things. I mean, you've been, were, you were nominated for directing. Is that right? Oh, I was. And that's, you just gave me chills with that. I guess I'm really vulnerable today, but, um, um, yes, I was nominated for a special on, um, homelessness, uh, women, um, and a place, you know, that, um, I'm going up on OJ's, that whole episode, but, uh, it's the place where, um, the one he took care of, or maybe not, I allegedly, um, it's where she sought uh, shelter and help when she thought it was getting dangerous with OJ. Mm. And I did a whole documentary on that and was nominated for a local Emmy. Oh, that's, that is incredible. What important work that is. Too. That is. That is because, you know, there are things I get uh, politically. I, I, I stay very far away from commenting. I don't go on the internet. I don't have a lot of, I don't have any social media. I don't like, I don't know what the, the minutia that can be dangerous, that is very negative about me out there, whatever. It, it's just, it throws me too much. I want to stay focused on the positivity and the work and the actress part and let the rest of it be somewhat more private. You also have a love of the theater, and you're totally oh. nominated as well for for being in. You were in the School of Wives, correct? The School for Wives School with for Brian Bedford, 
who did get the Tony the year that I was nominated as well for Best Supporting Actress. Um, that was an amazing... He taught me more in the time we spent together on the show than, than I could ever learn at the... And I'm respecting it and loving it, but at the Yale School of Drama, that was one thing. But, but l working alongside of an actor of Brian Bedford's car uh, caliber mm -hmm. was its own learning place, you know, right there. That was like my college almost. And, you know, when I think back to all the acting you've done and how you got started in theater as well and, and what you've continued to do, um, there is, you were with Ted Shackelford as Gary Ewing, and you guys met on Wonder Woman, or did you meet before you were both <laughs> on Wonder Woman? We worked on Wonder Woman in the silliest, goofiest, somehow I thought it was a back and forth that was really fun to do, but... Uh, you know, there he was uh, opposite me and dressed in something that looked like a, a white condom. <laughs> I don't know what, I can't remember exactly what his character was, but I always remember looking at him, at him and thinking he's dressed like a condom because it was white <laughs> from top to toe with a kind of collar. Uh, it was just insane. But we worked very intensely on that and it was silly with Linda Carter, bless her heart, and uh, gorgeous Linda uh, uh, but it was it was touch and go and we both survived it and sure enough there he was sitting at the table when we uh, went to, to do our first read through of the pilot episode of Knott's Landing and there he was across the table I couldn't believe it it was it was fate it was meant to be <laughs> and you were married several times not only to him on the show but to several others so there was a lot of drama on Knott's Landing, what was it like during the 80s having that just notoriety for a show? Could you go anywhere? Were you constantly... Well, yes, I was recognized more in New York because at that time, it, it, there's more face-to-face -face in New York. People walk, uh, the restaurants, of course, the places. And in L.A., your car is kind of your, not buffer, but it's your... Uh, capsule that kind of isolates you with the face-to-face -face kind of thing. But yes, every time I would go to New York or a big city, there was that recognition. Not so much in L.A. because every other person here, and it's still true, is a celebrity. You know, this is, this is uh, I mean, Meryl Streep didn't love it. She's, you know, had a house here for a year and then thought this is too much. She didn't get any relief or any what I call oxygen, which is air without, you know, uh, show business connected. L.A. is very showbiz centered. I didn't mind it because as part and parcel initially, maybe for a second, just because it you, you, you're always exposed. But my daughter had a big problem with it. My daughter you know, if she would go back to New York with me on any trip or if she was with me and there was all this hullabaloo, this would rattle her a bit. And I didn't like that. And I see why good parents out here in L.A., celebrities, are very protective and rightly so of their children's uh, healthy isolation from some of the mania that can happen that comes with celebrity, um, some a tiny bit of negativity. If if you're that, if you're wired that way, I know Alec has gotten aggressive simply because he's kind of like a a, a wonderful 
dog that kind of takes on the attack because he's looking to keep it okay and private where it needs to be. And he certainly was so front and center for, and still is in different ways, God bless him. But what a horrible, horrible thing. And I send my love and my heart to him for strength because this, that has to be the worst nightmare in the world. Oh, that has to be what happened to him. That, you know, because that's probably not, you know, how would he know? And you know, that's not his intention. Whatever hello, happened, hello. Not God bless intention. you. Now, Alec was on the show with you, Knott's Landing, and there's a story where you kind of immediately saw his talent. Can you talk about that? Oh, I did, because I had, we had a scene in the uh, Valines and Gary's living room, and it was Alec and Julie and, uh, and me to start it, and then I was to leave... Uh, this was his first scene and I was to leave the room and in order to continue the scene that went on after Valine left the room, I had to crouch behind the, uh, the couch in, in the living room to stay out of the angle of the shot of when they continued with uh, Alec and Julie. And I heard this Alec Baldwin, unbelievable guy relating with Julie. It was instantaneous it was brilliant, both of them, of course. And I marched after we finished the scene and all the coverage up to David's office. And I said, where did you find, I've never done this before. I said, where did you find him? Where did, you know, and he had been a daytime soap actor prior, I believe, and probably some television too, because that's Alec Baldwin. But but it was all early in his uh, TV um, career. And I, I knew from the very first scene, this is something special. And there was certainly something, a special sound, a depth. When I heard Julie and um, uh, Alec doing their dialogue, it was deep right away. It was instantaneous. Two brilliant actors. And I think that's probably part of what Knott's Landing, they just had such a good cast. I mean, the cast was... I have to, you know, here's the thing. It was always the real deal because, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we had amazing people, Ava Gardner and um, uh, who was the, uh, Howard Duff. You know, it, 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 they had a guests that were, Holly Berry was, was a guest and had a, a, a short run, I think, as, you know, as a continuing guest star. We had some wonderful people and it, it was more like the actor's studio versus, I don't know what, what would, whatever would be, you know, a, a sitcom fun show. Mm-hmm. Ours was more like the actor's studio. And that's a tribute to the producers. Michael Feilerman also became a a second producer because he was very um, important at CBS. And so it was David and Michael. And they brought in, and Michael is a Broadway person and brought in, you know, the real deal. Actors, really deep, you know, wonderful actors. There was a scene that, that really stood out and I've heard you talk about it once before when your personalities were changing a lot, so to speak, in Knott's Landing, and you had to take your makeup off from being kind of that made-up one character into another personality. And you did that all in one take. Can you tell us about that story? Well, I knew that's where you were probably going, (laughs) and I'll tell you something. 
that is the, and I've said this in previous interviews, that piece of film is probably my proudest moment. I'll get verklempt just trying to relate it. But the truth was she went from, she ran away, Valine ran away with because of the twin story line and she was so devastated and empty. And she ran away and she went back to her hometown, which is one of yours, almost hometown, but she ran back to the, to the southern place. Um, I think it was uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I know it was. And she went back and she went to a bar and the guys got a little aggressive with her or whatever. She had makeup on because she was trying to look any more, uh, like, more like Abby, more flashy, uh, totally not... Uh, vintage Valine by any means and she wakes up in this motel and walks into the bathroom and sees her face which is smudged eye makeup and uh, tousled uh, blonde long curly very different from Valine a whole face she didn't really know I said to the crew because we were going to try to do it in one where I wash my face. And I said, if something goes wrong camera-wise, stop me right away, because once this actress washes her face, it's a wrap, because it would take so much time to get all the makeup and the look back, and we couldn't take that kind of time. We had one false start, and then we went back, and they stopped me, and I went back to the bed lying down, and they see her waking up, groggy and hungover and walking into the bathroom and it went straight through the second time and it, I was so uh, there so on it it does get me verklempt um, I, I, I felt it was real you know and I'm very hard on myself I want it right go big or go home and it happened and it went through and it went without a stop and it was five minutes and at the end of it, we did the Mary Tyler Moore circle hug, which was hair, makeup, the cameraman who was operating, and the camera, the director of photography, all of us in a huddle, hugging, because we knew it was special. And the biggest step was CBS allowing a five-minute take, because way back then, you cut fast and didn't want the audience to have to think too much about whatever and keep it moving, and it's even more so now, post-COVID. The scenes have are, are edited at a rhythm that it, it gives you whiplash, but that scene, they, they kept it as the five minutes that it actually took to do that, and I am so proud of that, and most of all, I love it because it was a team this does make me really verklempt, but it was a team effort, and that's big, big in my book. Yeah, I mean, you can almost feel like when you were talking about it, the emotions of all the people in there that were getting that together, all the the group that the crew that tried to you know got this scene together and it worked. Thank it, you, exactly correct. Because you, there's a vibe on a set that if everybody's in sync. It's like nothing else. It's why COVID has altered that rhythm and that kind of uh, privilege of having the air vibrating almost with everybody connecting because they want it to be pr- as good as it can be. And that happened that what after, afternoon, evening, whenever we were filming it, that happened 
And when it does, it's beyond golden. It's be, it's why I love this business and I love being an actress, but it, it just it was so special. It just the fact that you felt so in the moment there that leads to a special memory. So thank you for sharing that with us. Well, it, it was, it's deep and it's real. And it was, uh, there was no uh, fake or anything. It was Valine, Joan and Valine blending and becoming something else. And that's when she went in to her Southern accent, which she used as a waitress there in Nashville. Uh, when Abby, Donna Mills, came to rescue her, so to speak, and reunite her with the twins. And that, by the way, the reuniting of Valine with her twins that day and that filming, that was the only time that Knott's Landing was number one in the ratings, in the overnight ratings. And for the week, more importantly, for the week, the number one show was Knott's Landing. And I have a thing in my office here in the house that is a kind of a paperweight plaque kind of thing that says number one, Knott's Landing. That is, and I remember that scene. Yeah. <laughs> on the You're on the stairs, and they bring you the baby. Yes, and I said uh, I wanted to have her caught. My, my, you know, we had the wonderful thing about knots is that the actors could call David Jacobs or Michael Feilerman and say, "What about? How about? I love this scene, but how about?" And they were wide open to, if possible go ahead and, and, and let the actors have it. And I said, I'd love to be caught instead of being perfectly dressed and all made up and whatever the heck caught. Like, you know, I came down spritzed just before the scene was filmed with spray on me as I, as if I were in a robe coming uh, out of the shower mm-hmm. and my hair was soaking wet. My face was, my, uh, I had this bathrobe on and I come downstairs and there, coming through the door is um, uh, are the two twins and and that's and uh, Michelle was there I think of course Julie was uh, amazing I mean that was more real to me and it's more interesting to have caught her instead of being perfect and ready uh, oh is anybody going to come visit me today she was totally mm-hmm. surprised when they did the reboot of Dallas and you guest start on there how was it different did it feel like going back or was it just a different setup it was are you talking about the most recent reboot reboot yes yeah it it was different and certainly the last one i did both ted and i uh without larry it's it's like you're going to a dinner that you've always or a not a party but you know you're going somewhere that there's somebody always there and he wasn't there Mm -hmm. that and patrick rightly assumed the position of the leadership because they were joined at the hip anyway. They were pranksters and jokesters. And Linda, Patrick, and Larry were like a trio on the set, like nothing else. But it became uh, just Patrick, finally. Um, Linda was there, but still, um, in terms of filling the blank that is irreplaceable with Larry being gone. But uh, I don't know. It was very different. It was very different. And Charlene, she felt the same way I did a bit, that it, we were kind of not lost, but it just it felt different. I can imagine how that, that would feel. It's almost like a family member. If something happens to like your family member and you're doing the same yeah, thing. Yeah, and then you have Thanksgiving dinner yes. and that, that chair is empty. Or the head of the, kind of the head of the family and they're not For there. sure, for yeah. sure. You know. Definitely see where that would be strange and, and kind of uncomfortable. 
Concerning. Yeah, it, it, it was a bit because also there were a lot of new actors brought in and it, it was a different oxygen. I don't know how else to, but it just was in the air that it wasn't the same, uh, I don't know what, hum mm-hmm. that Dallas originally was. And so, and we had different producers. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it, it was multi-layered the change. You've been doing some voiceover work. How? I mean, you obviously were doing it for a while with the Estee Lauder, but you've been doing actually some video games and things. How is that? Yes. Like? I, I love the acting video ones. One I had to do in a, I had to dub a Disney plus effort. I think it was called Houdini and the show was done in Spanish and I had to watch the Spanish and try to dub it with English lines to the mouth moving in the Spanish. I can't tell you. It was like so crazy. I did a pilot uh, for something called Hans, H-A-N-N-S, which is really a a group of characters that are hands, really. And uh, Patrick Warburton played my husband, and I was a diva, a diva mother um, to um, the the producer. It it was... kind of insane to be watching the video part which was fingers on a hand and trying to bring a voice and a character to it but I love kind of doing that that was a challenge and it seems to me somehow some way there should be an echo uh even if it's just a group chat in a living room setting of the Knots Landing core actors just as a kind of you know I feel that's overdue Donna says it's because she thinks CBS won't release film clips but I think CBS should be the one to be kind of the engine and the one doing it and not have the issue of uh, paying for clips of each character doing a a favorite scene or something in a chit chat on the couch with us in real time today but bottom line is I think it's long overdue and I think it would be fun and interesting and something an audience our core audience would love would love to see and I get mail all the time saying they want that where is not where's knots? I think that I think it would people would love it I know I would love it and we would love it we'd be first in line we, we would have heart. to have a little party. Uh, <laughs> yes, a not let, yeah, a not letting party. Right, yeah. Like the old days at Thursday at what, 10 o'clock? On yes. CBS. Yes. Thank you so much for coming oh, on and talking so much to us. Thank you the time. This was so fun. It was so fun talking to you. Well, I thank you, and you've been wonderful. And the fact that you're, you know, not savvy, because lots of people do the interviews with me, and, um, aren't really hardcore but you know that would know the background and oh yeah they should put me on like a trivia show or something (laughs) well that's fantastic and maybe someday that not someday but soon here that that will be uh, a fact we had a delight talking to Joan Van Ark, and I'm sure you had a delight listening to her. Remember, everybody, that you can catch our podcast on all podcast platforms. And also, we have video clips of these interviews on YouTube. We have them on TikTok. If you want to find out more, make sure that you go to our website and check out our show notes as well. It's hotflasheskooltopics.com. And if there's a topic that you really want to hear about and you haven't found anything out about it, 
please email us at hotflashescooltopics at gmail.com because if we don't know the answer, we will find and hunt for an expert to help us on that topic. Thank you guys so much for listening. Get ready for another great year of Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast and guests. Have an awesome first week of January and we will talk to you next time. Bye.